Hey everyone, welcome to Project Esports Podcast for April 8th. Um, Andrew's taking the day off and we actually have a special guest here with us, uh, Jonah. So Jonah, uh, why don't you tell everyone a little bit about yourself before we uh, get started. Hey, I'm Jonah or Reed, uh, formerly known as Best Student. I currently coach Northeastern Esports, their varsity program, as well as Wavecheck Esports, uh, Wavecheck underscore W rather. Um, we're an open division team looking to get into contenders this next season. And I also do some uh, freelance commentary on the side. And I come from a really long line of uh, people invested in esports from Rutgers Esports mm-hmm. as well. So I think this is the first time uh, we actually have another uh, collegiate esports person on the show. I don't think we had one before, so this is exciting. Um, don't worry, James, we're going to have a couple, a couple of stories for you to talk about, too, so you'll be able to pop off. But um, I think we're going to dive just right into the collegiate esports. Uh, so the first thing we have up is the Overwatch Collegiate Championship uh, that's going to go on at ESPN. So this is just a part of the ESPN Big Collegiate um, event that they're going to have, I guess is the best way to describe it. Um, so this one, it's actually where we, we talked about this a few weeks ago, but just want to touch on this because obviously we have Jonah here and then also because they just went into the top eight. Um, so that's kind of a big deal. And so the top eight currently, um, Tespa is running this portion of it, which, I mean, we talked about before, this is a really big event and they have like Tespa and CSL and ESPN all coming together for this. So this is huge tournament and really special occasion. Um, but the top eight teams are Utah, um, Harrisburg University, Rutgers, Maryville, Orange Coast, Tespa, Carleton, uh, New Jersey IT, and I had to click on this one name, um, GCU Esports. I think Great they're at, yeah, they're out of Phoenix, Arizona. So this is the the top eight, and obviously Rutgers is in there. So yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, I did an article actually on the top ten teams or top twenty teams rather out of preseason, and all of these teams were in the articles. Um, you know, Utah, of course, they have a full on esports program built out of their game design program. Uh, they're a scrim partner of Northeastern as well. We like to play them every now and then. I'm friends with their manager um, and their coach as well, Snap, Joe Johnson, that Roadhog player. You remember from season one and two? What a great guy. Um, he has a great mind for the game, too. And for the rest of the schools, I mean, Harrisburg, Maryville, those two schools, full-ride scholarships for players. They pulled them straight from contenders, form of Hitnot, Mac, Insomniac, Somez. All these guys are, you know, veterans inside of Overwatch. And, of course, you know, you have schools like... Um, Rutgers, which I'm affiliated with, um, they obviously have a really strong team. I talked with their manager, Beanies, quite a lot. And actually, this year's team is probably the strongest Rutgers has ever had. Um, that's a little like, you know, bittersweet for me because I used to be on the Rutgers team. So it's like, oh, I'm not I'm part, not part of the best team we've ever had. Like, um, yeah, they're a great group of guys and they, they finally like have their everything together. They went to land for TESPA in 2017 when I was coaching them. And then 2019, now they're going back to land and only one player remains on that roster. So it's kind of like his own personal redemption. Nice storyline. I like that. So how do you feel about all the teams? Is there any team in particular um, that you're looking out for to get, you know, first top, uh, first place pick or anything, or maybe top two? Um, I think... 
So my heart is going to say Rutgers, right? I want Rutgers to win. <laughs> but my brain says Maryville, all right? Maryville is just a powerhouse. They've been scrimming as early as, you know, 2018, January. So it's like a year and a half now. These guys have Hypnot, you know, the former Boston Uprising Academy main tank player. Guy is a mastermind. He was actually going to go to Rutgers, too, for school since he lives in that area, in the tri-state area. But he ended up getting the full ride to Maryville instead. So it's like... They snatched the best Rutgers talent, and now, they, now they're now they going to win versus Rutgers. It's like, for me, the bracket comes out. Maryville comes out of the A side of the bracket. B side of the bracket comes out Rutgers. Mm-hmm. And that's that's what I think the finals will be um, predicted, for at least for, for me. And, you know, I, I still think that a lot of these other schools will show up big. Orange Coast College, they're the only community college in the entire tournament. I'm not in the entire tournament, but in the top eight, rather. And it just happened that they just have Slayer Gramps and a couple other really solid Grandmaster players. Mm-hmm. So it, it, it's anyone's game, but it's mostly Maryville's to lose. That's really hyped to hear, actually, like all the different like storylines coming into this. So one thing I'm actually really interested in is I've seen a few of these teams frequently, and I'm sure, James, you've seen these too, um, just from all the articles coming out on all these schools picking up different collegiate esports programs, actually pushing for it, doing scholarships and all that. So do you think that a lot of these teams benefit from that? I mean, obviously they did, but I mean, is it kind of um, just a nice addition to their team already? Or do you think the, the schools actually showed up, they paid to get players, they paid to get really good coaches, they put the money in, it's really paying off for them. Like, do you think that's the case? Or do you think... Um, it just kind of happenstance because we do see a couple other schools there that just, they just happen to get some solid players and they just happen to have really good student staff and they're able to put a really good team together, a really good showing. I mean, I guess kind of at anyone, anyone can kind of take this. Oh, I I, I could have sworn you said James there. Oh, no, no, it's all good. It's all all good. So, yeah, no, I think, I don't know. I, I hate to say that, like, Money draws in the talent, but it really, it really does, right? Like, I mean, you can get, you can get really lucky and blessed with a very like devote crew and like and staff and stuff like that. But I mean, if the funding's there, it's gonna, like, I mean, funding pushes the extra little, you know, the extra little bit. Like, I mean, if you perform well and you're like, and your team's doing well and stuff like that, that's great. But I mean, I don't know, I man. You can't, you, I don't know, like, especially in the collegiate scene where I hate to say it, and we. Jonah, we even talked about this literally. Like everybody's broke, man. Like everybody's <laughs> broke in the scene, right? Getting yeah. that extra bit of funding just does so, so much. So I don't like money going into this isn't a bad thing. Yeah. To add to that, I think that uh, with athletics now recognizing the importance of having at least a club sports program, such as a school like Northeastern, um, they have you know fully funded uh, club sports room where they have you know uh, twelve PCs that you guys, uh, not you guys. Um, that you know, students as well as the team can play on. Um, that that's where they train. That's where they practice. That's where they play the tournaments themselves uh, for their league, Overwatch, Rocket League, Apex, whatever team that you you know you have there. Um, so as we see the development more of esports, you're going to start to see a lot of these varsity schools, these traditional Big Ten schools, start to you know pour money into esports. And for Rutgers' part, their club budget is very much that of student lives. You know, it's the, the average amount of money you get from uh, for being a student organization on campus. And the bulk of the money that's being funded for Scott Classic is all student-raised through company outside sponsors. And also the main thing is that athletics at every school has a substantially large marketing budget. 
every school has a huge marketing budget. And that's where esports gets its money from. It gets it from the marketing budget of other things that want to support it. So if Student Life wants more students, they'll reach out more STEM students, they'll reach out to esports. If athletics wants more popularity for their traditional sports, they'll reach out to esports. And that's how they get funding. I think it's going to be a really hyped event. Um, I'm particularly really excited for Street Fighter, actually, um, because I just want to see some like good collegiate Street Fighter. I mean, I, I'm, I'm always the one on here talking about fighting games and everything, but I'm hyped for it. And it's really interesting because what they did for, for Street Fighter is they were like, hey, everyone, by the way, we're just having open um, qualifiers for this at a bunch of different collegiate events, which I think is super hype. And it just promotes like, the collegiate scene even more by having people in the area actually show up to a lot of these events. And I know specifically Street Fighter V, um, out of all the different fighting games, it might not be doing the you know the best right now in terms of like attendance and everything. So this is definitely something really good for the community in general. I know there's a ton of really good players that are just going to, going to college and stuff that want to show up to these really good events, and this really gives them an avenue for that. Um, which, speaking of which... Scarlet Classic is having one of those open uh, Street Fighter yeah. events, which is which is really hype because I know that area in particular, um, which is like um, Jersey and then up into New York, the tri-state area. I think that's what it's called, right? The tri-state mm-hmm. area, mm-hmm. tri-state, huge yeah. for fighting games, like yeah, it, enormous. So I really hope this turns at least the fighting game portion of that into a huge, huge tournament. Mm-hmm. I think I think it's uh, like I think this is a really smart move by them too because I feel like with like the FGC, the accessibility is a lot easier than, and then like a lot of other games, right? Like, I mean, the, the system requirements is like, you literally buy a console, you bring it, you can get, you can get a pad if you want, but I mean, like you can do it with a controller too. You know what I mean? Like, so I feel like as far as, especially like going back to the financials, like, I mean, for a student, this, like that Avenue of esports is so much more like it's such an easier route for them to hopefully get recognized and picked up and stuff like that vice, you know, like lugging your, lugging your PC everywhere. Right. So yeah, I think it's a, it's a nice little touch. It's a lot more interactive and social too. Like at Rutgers, um, at club, we usually have like a whole room or two rooms dedicated to FGC and they're guys that just bring their controllers in, you know, and they can just play and talk to everybody. And it's like a lot more, a lot more of a community FGC is than like uh, Overwatch or League of Legends games where you have to like sit at home and play on your PC and go on Discord and talk to your friends. Can't really just like see the person you're playing against, talk to them, you know, shake their hand or whatever. Yeah, you really like it. Really, is such a different type of player. You know what I mean? Because it is. It's so much more communal, and it's so it it forces that in like that person to person interaction because the guy's usually sitting like right next to you. You know what I mean? Which is yeah. nice, and I love that. Like, and I mean, and, and it's huge for and it's huge for collegiate to really promote that because I mean that's you you really want to network in college too, right? So that, uh, it's just kind of like a best of both worlds in that. And I think it's almost where it, it like the, I think the only downside is, is that it's not as big as like Overwatch and League of Legends and stuff like that. But it definitely I think it definitely promotes better life skills for people in like in the college like in that college age group you know what i mean Mm -hmm. yeah i mean out of the 750 attendants we had for scholar classic 4 last year over 300 of them were there just for smash so if you think about just smash that's you know almost 50 percent of your you know the all attendees are just there for smash to play smash not even to watch smash so it's like when you think about it, right? Like FGC is kind of you know that that original kind of game that like you know, the original style of game rather that brought people together. 
And, you know, this year, since we have the rack, you know, the athletic center where basketball games usually happen, it's such an upgraded size. And with that huge upgraded size, I mean, come on, man, you're going to see you see setups like with rows down, you know, the, the athletic, like where the basketball court would be. And you just you just see like Swedish light popping off versus some random no names and like a random no name takes a stock and everyone's like, what's happening? What's going on? Why is this? Why is this guy losing? Um, so, yeah, like FGC and in terms of Rutgers itself. Like all the guys over there, Justin Winfrey, you know, Carlito Sage, all those guys at the FGC community at Rutgers, they're 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 huge in this. This is their absolute passion. And and honestly, I've learned a lot from them, even though because you know, I come from League of Legends, Overwatch, CSGO, barely any FGC. They taught me so much in terms of you know how the game works and like how how handshakes, the etiquette, you know, the proper social like skills that you need to play FGC against one another. right like i mean it really is like i mean this is why it gets like gets the grassroots like moniker right like this and this is really why right and dylan will beat this beat this horse dead right like grassroots esports is like his like calling card so it's i'm I'm glad you're i'm glad you're feeding into it (laughs) yeah it just it's so perfect though and uh just to reiterate on the point that you were making earlier um it's just, it is perfect for these college students because, you know, Jonah, like you were saying, like, there is etiquette that comes behind it too, like the handshakes and stuff and, like, what to do during games and how to be, like, a well-mannered player. And it's really important because, like, you know, a lot a lot of people, this is their first, like, um, experience in something competitive like this. I know me personally, I, I didn't grow up playing sports or anything, so whenever I got into esports, that was my first time doing anything really competitive. Um, and then I, I picked up a whole whole bunch of different things on how to, you know, compete very well. Um, I came from StarCraft 2, so, like, always starting the game out with, like, good luck, have fun, and saying, like, good game afterwards and stuff, and really instilled that in me, but it is really hype to see. Um, so I went to the Nittany Invitational a couple weeks ago. I can say I talked about that on the show. Um, but during the, the Street Fighter tournament there, um, I saw something that like reiterated some of those points into me of where, you know, a bunch of like people were playing. There were some new people that showed up, some people from like Pittsburgh and Philly showed up to play. And the way that they interacted with, with um, you know, like the local community there was just amazing because they were all talking, they were all having fun. Um, it was super serious during the games, but afterwards they were like laughing, joking around. They were like on Facebook. They're like, oh, like what's your name on Facebook? Like we got to, we'll play online sometime. And it was just, it's really good to see because this is really, really, really good for college students to be able to like, Get out there, be social, make new friends, make connections like that. And it's really awesome to see. Yeah, FGC is a blessing. I mean, it's one of the original starters like StarCraft too. So I actually just want to shift gears slightly. Um, so not actually too much, um, but still staying on collegiate esports. I actually want to talk about the NYXL um, Spring Rally that they're having. I think the, the total prize pool is $10,000, right? Yep. Yeah, $10,000. So, you know, correct me if I'm wrong on this. I'm pretty sure I, I've been following it to, to make sure I, I have it right. Um, but basically what they did is they partnered with a, a few colleges um, and kind of mm-hmm. ran, a, you know, I guess kind of like a social media hype thing that was kind of going on of where you can kind of cheer for certain colleges and the top 16 teams that got like the most cheers from the most amount of people um, got placed into a top 16 bracket and it ran through to the top four and then I believe the top four is going to be played at the Scarlet Classic. Is that correct? Yep. Like uh, NYXL and Rutgers were actually really good partners. Um, we had a great meeting with them like a year and a half ago, uh, 2017 summer. So that was 
there a long time ago. We got to go to their offices, hang out with them, and they treated us to dinner. And really what we've been trying to build is like kind of an unofficial sponsorship or partnership rather with uh, NYXL that they kind of support collegiate esports. We support them as much as we can, whether that be offering, you know, um, future students that could maybe go into their into their company and work, such as Adam. Um and as well as you know, just uh, just a lot, a lot of you know, volunteers for whenever they have any events. You think about the homecoming, the you know NYXL, uh, the the watch party, tournament. You know, all of those. A lot of the Rutgers esports uh, community members are very, very active. Whether that be cheering, helping out, volunteering, doing whatever. And for the side of the top sixteen, I mean, it really goes to show that you can kind of be any school as long as you have the support from your community. It actually um, puts you somewhere else on the map, you know, puts you on the map. Because what was so interesting was that during the cheers, they were actually showcasing all the, like, the numbers in live. And it was so weird to see these schools that had never, you know, you know, shown up on the esports map just pop up out of nowhere. And then it was so weird because, like, it found out later on that some schools were botting. Um, but we removed those bots. They removed those bots. And after you remove the bots, it's still like kind of the same picture, though. You know what I mean? It's still kind of the same thing where those schools that are really unknown, like Marist, Marist College. Like I, I before last week and I had never heard of Marist College. Right. And they've been insane player in default. And, you know, they, they just come out of nowhere and just show up. And, and then, you know, now now they're, you know, they made top eight. But I mean, you also have UConn, NJIT, Pitt Esports. I've never heard of Pitt Esports until this past weekend either. And then you, they're playing Rutgers at the land finals. It's $10,000 for grab. I'll be commentating. Necker Gaming will be commentating from TESPA. Henny Beanies will be commentating, you know, so it'll be a great time. We get the whole athletic center and probably going to end up making a really, really solid show. Yeah, I mean, this is not not only is this incredibly hype for just like collegiate esports in general and I guess esports on the East Coast, um, which is something I'm really glad we're seeing big events from is, you know, East Coast esports. It's 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 just so good to see like um, teams partnering up with schools. And, you know, obviously it's it's mutually beneficial because, you know, you benefit with schools, the schools benefit from it, and then you, um, you know, you get a bunch of new fans. Because I'm sure everyone at a bunch of these schools are NYXL, NYXL fans now. Um, and I, I, I promise, I promise, I'm not saying this just because because you're on 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 the podcast. But this is really hype for Scarlet Classic, and Rutgers is doing really great. I promise, I'd be hyping up Rutgers esports even if you weren't on here because they are doing really great stuff. And the fact that this is at Scarlet Classic is huge. It's a huge deal. Like they have. They have the finals for this, and then they also have uh, the huge Street Fighter tournament on top of it just being a normal giant collegiate event on top of that. Like, this is huge. Like, this is going to be a giant event. And I, I'm super hyped to see the coverage for this. Yeah, we're aiming for 2,000 people, I believe. So that's a tall, tall order, but I think we can get there. I mean, if you know, we rented out a giant, you know, giant uh, arena, so... I mean, yeah, I think this is like probably one of the smarter, like probably one of the smartest moves that we've seen out of like an Overwatch team individually, as far as like creating like PR hype and stuff like that. Like you basically just secured yourself 16 schools that want to feed into you. You know what I mean? Like, and that's just through, and that's just through putting on this alone. And I mean, I'm sure some teams are like kind of like region block too. Like, I mean, some, some of the West Coast teams are probably like, well, it's on the other end, it's like, I mean, I don't want to bother, right? But I mean, <laughs> Why can't I go to that? <laughs> yeah, exactly, right? Exactly. So, um, yeah, no, I, I, I'm i like, like, I didn't really pay super close attention to this. And then 
Dylan brought it up tonight. And I was like, oh my god, man! Like this was this was a slick move by on their part, and I, and I can I can promise that he hup, he hypes up uh, Rutgers on like a like a regular basis, off the record, on the record. Like he just it's it's a regular thing. It's a regular. Thing. Yeah, I mean, I you're from Penn State, right? I mean, at Rutgers we have a chant about Penn State. I'm not just, I can't really say the words. <laughs> But I mean, we like Penn State esports. We just don't like Penn State. Oh yeah, yeah, no, no. Like on on like the, the you know the traditional sports level, like no, no, no. Like absolutely no go. On the esports level, we're all friends. Yeah, esports. It's really about a giant community where everyone's like really empathetic and help each helps each other out. That's like what NYXL is doing. That's so cool. It's like they're being super empathetic towards the collegiate scene. Something that we've not seen from these other owl teams. I mean. You, yes, you have like the LA Valiant like collegiate cup thing, but I mean there wasn't a big prize for that. There was there wasn't like a a huge stream for that. I mean, it was like an online event, and it was just a mix between like half pros, half collegiate players. And Excel's already done that pretty much at their land shop. So I mean, they're just doing it even bigger now with the spring rally. I've not heard of a 10k prize pool from just a single owl team before. Maybe like a grand, but. <laughs> So I actually just want to talk about one team in particular that made the top four, and that's Pitt. Because I have a special story about Pitt. So back in my day, you know, old man esports uh, story time, but back in my day, um, uh, we had an event at Penn State, and we invited Pitt League of Legends out to play. These dudes show up, wreck our brackets, absolutely demolish (laughs) our brackets, beat like our, our, like, you know, like our like our A team, I guess the team that like we send out to all like the big events and stuff. And so we just had like local like teams that like are the club through together. And we played them in, in the finals. And these dudes were just straight up goons, like in the best way possible. Like they were like, they were in the room just like screaming, getting like super hyped. And like, they all texted like the entire club and stuff. And like, as soon as they were playing in the finals, like our stream numbers, like jumped a hundred. Because, like, they just had, like, everyone at Pit just, like, watching it. And they were just, like, going nuts in the chat and stuff. And it was great. They have a really interesting esports community there because they get incredibly hype. Like, like they're one of the most hype esports communities by far. And which is strange because, like, I haven't seen them out to many events. They're just, like, this... Um, I think I think they are doing a little bit more with the uh, the Pittsburgh Knights. I think they're, um, they're, like, more of, like, an FPS team in Pittsburgh. So they, I know they do a lot of stuff there, and Pittsburgh actually has a lot of collegiate clubs. It's like them, Carnegie Mellon, Temple. Temple might be Philly, um, but they have a they have a bunch of stuff out there that they all play games and stuff together. But damn, they're hype! I'm excited to see. I hope I hope they can perform well. I mean, on more realistic side, I think they're <laughs> gonna get stomped. Honestly, I think it's gonna be the first game on stream. I think they're gonna get hard stopped by Rutgers. They're just gonna go home and cry. It's you know how it is. Oh my god, bit. Jordan, they have families, dude. Come on. I, I mean, I don't care if it's a hundred people in chat crying. I mean, it's still hundred people in chat crying. I mean, it's like, That's what true. can you do? So, I think we're gonna wrap up the collegiate esports talk. But do you just want to fill everyone in on this event? Um, and I mean, you're gonna be casting it, so give, give us the details and and all that. Yeah, so it's gonna start at around 10 a.m. Eastern uh, on Sunday, April 14th. It'll be at the Rutgers Athletic Center on Livingston campus. So if you want to Google it, you want to come through, you want to play in Fort, not Fort, not, not Fortnite, sorry. I debated everybody. Uh, 
League of Legends, Overwatch, CSGO, if you want to watch any of those games, if you want to meet NYXL members, Tesla members, CSL members, if you want to network, if you're just there to, you know, in the tri-state to play Smash, you should come through. It'll be, you know, again on April 14th on Sunday. We'll open the doors at 10 a.m. And I hope to see a lot of people there. And uh, I can't wait to commentate some Overwatch. And I can't wait to see uh, to Rucker's, uh, see Rucker's stomp. Yeah. We'll see about that. Um, but I guess we'll we'll shift gears over uh, to some, I, I guess, Battle Royale talk. We want to talk yeah. that, specifically Ninja, which, I mean, obviously he's always in the news, biggest one of the biggest streamers and stuff, but he kind of had a, a little blow up and now has like a little feud with, with Fortnite right now. So on stream, I think it was yesterday or the day before, like, you know, uh, later in the day, he basically kind of, he didn't like rage out or anything, but he was just like, yeah, I think I'm done with, uh, with Fortnite. And so they fixed the cues. So apparently there's, there was a huge update, um, that kind of changed how the game plays a lot. And, you know, I guess he was just not having fun with these new updates. And so he's like boycotting Fortnite now, which I mean, he's like the biggest Fortnite streamer. So this is like kind of a, Kind of a big deal for them because how many how many players do you think got into this game just you know just because they watch Ninja because he always has the top stream numbers so I don't know I think this is kind of a big deal that he's kind of using that platform to boycott patches I mean obviously we've seen this before with like League of Legends but I don't think the impact has been quite as big I mean yeah so I was actually the one who who linked the article in here because. Fortnite is the only competitive game because it is it does have a competitive scene now. It has a stupid amount of money into it um, where it is so, so almost revolving around this one entity. Right. Like 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 Ninja really does control huge portions of this game's market of its of its player base, of its viewership and all that good stuff. And yeah, basically for him to boycott it because of these patch changes, which I seen them. And like, I mean, they are from what I've seen in the past are pretty drastic. Like you don't get health back after you kill somebody. The the I think the material refund is like far less significant now. And one other major change, and I guess you can go back and play the previous patch on a different set, a different queue. Um, the only problem is, is those queue times are astronomically long. So that kind of is what triggered this whole this whole. They're, they're calling it a rage quit, but I don't think it really right. I don't think that I've seen rage quits, and that ain't a rage quit. I'll show you a Tyler one rage quit that really like, you know like 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 trumps this. But yeah, so. It's really crazy to see, like, I mean, what is this going to do for its player base? What is this going to do for its viewership? Um, I, I guess somebody from Epic already reached out saying they'd address this, but I, I don't know, man. It's kind, it's kind of, it's kind of scary and crazy to see somebody so, so one game so heavily influenced by one person to to the point where the, the developers are only like almost like bending to his will. You know what I mean? It's it's kind of sketchy. Yeah, I think having played Fortnite on Stretchers. I mean, uh, that's one of the major things too, right? That these players can no longer play on those for tournaments. And that's what matters, right? Um, stretch res and CS, if you guys remember, it's like, it makes the hitbox just so much bigger. And yeah. he's, under, he's, he's, he's mad, and it's understandably so, because if you're playing a game competitively, which Ninja is, he, he really wants every advantage he can get. And if he plays and practices the same way as all the other players, if he practices this one res, makes it so that hitting headshots is easier, building is easier, and doing all this practice on it. And then suddenly you're told that you can't play on those same settings. Dude, I'd be mad too. Like, I'd be super mad. Like, I, I wouldn't rate on 
I wouldn't rage quit, but I also just wouldn't stand for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, 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 oh yeah, no, no. I was just gonna say. And apparently, the big, the big issue with that too is it came out a week before the spring skirmish, I think. And like, it's such a small amount of time to adjust between the like the the, the previous res and the new res. That yeah, I think I think you're totally right. Like, I mean, this is why this happened. Is like you you spend countless hours with this res and yeah you now you have to relearn and i yeah i think it's i think it's a bad move and i don't think and i think this is kind of because fortnite isn't really they have stupid amounts of money going into the competitive scene but at the same time i don't think they really know how to work around a competitive scene yet i think they're still working out the bugs for that which is weird because i feel like epic should know since gears has been around for so long they should have an idea of how to really manage a a competitive a competitive scene but we're kind of seeing that they don't. I mean, we, we've seen this with a ton of games, like releasing patches, like sweeping patches that change things, you know, right before like big events. And it's always go, gone over poorly. Like, it's never gone over well. So like, why would, first of all, why would they think this is okay? Two, if, you know, if they're so quick to change it, is it because they were kind of iffy on the change to begin with? They were like, ah, it might do well, it might not. We'll just see how the community reacts. And just because, you know, I don't want to say Ninja is the community, but like him and all his followers are a huge portion of it. You know, they're a very vocal portion of that, you know, and obviously he he has this platform now to say these things. Um, I just wonder if this is, um, you know, someone someone in chat brought this up, but is this, you know, maybe a new precedent for very large streamers? Like, do you think this is something that was 100% justified? Do you think we might see this again like you might you know maybe maybe something less egregious you know you know a, a streamer might come out and be like oh this is a problem and since i'm basically the face of this game i i can i can you know have a larger say in you know how things go i i, I like for me it's hard to see somebody who influences a single entity so much or a single game so much. He like they he is very much an outlier in comparison to other games. Because as well, other games also have massive competitive buildups as well. You know what I mean? So like they like the pros already know how to work around it. So they don't have to really worry about boycotting stuff like this. They just kind of enable it and they still make their money and they still play the game and stuff, right? Because they're contracted. They kind of have to, right? So but Ninja's kind of the exception. Like, I mean, tons of people will like like there's been so many patches in the league that have been nightmarish to play through. But players still play through it because they're contractually obligated. Ninja isn't. Ninja's making money off his stream, and that's the end of it. You know what I mean? And so he can do whatever the hell he wants because he's still making bank at the end of it. Yeah, I think it's not that he's directly influencing them. It's that he's just expressing himself on Twitter and social media. And they're just like listening to him. You know, they just they just they just have like one one guy in the office of Epic probably has like a tab. It's just like ninja, ninja tweets, you know, just like just that open and he just like he reads it then he goes to his boss and he goes like hey yeah man like ninja just tweeted this we have to make these changes asap it's like it's it's so bad it's it's not backwards at all because if you think about it all game companies do listen to their competitive player base a very large degree overwatch listens to the overwatch players league listens to their lcs pros but not in the same way that epic rapidly responds because epic's motto is to always change and like implement new things so i mean they're they're very very adaptable so if they if they hear one thing or they say they hear like they they hear one thing from Ninja, it just goes, let's just let's just change it up right away. Let's just you know make it make make the swap, and and they're capable of doing it. Not not like other games who take you know 
a more thought out approach, a more uh, a long term goal for their games, balancing change. Uh, you know, Fortnite's one of those games that's always like fast paced, change, 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 and and you know that that probably plays into Ninja's you know uh, favor. Yeah, it's almost it's very much like a knee jerk response, right? And it's I think that that kind of thought process and that kind of decision making is very dangerous for a developer. Um, but again, like I mean, I don't think we've ever seen a case of this where one player has just influenced it so much. Like I think I, I think a lot of people in like not only the esports but like the gaming community as a whole is are probably like, how do we how do we deal with this? You know what I mean? How do we address this? Yeah, this is definitely a different thing that we used to see. I mean, back in the day with uh, you know Starcraft, right? I remember there being like player summits where they would like invite a bunch of players to like Blizzard HQ and like all sit down and talk about this, like a bunch of pro players and like, oh, like we'll make, we'll, we'll, we'll take that into consideration and make design changes based on that. But like, that was kind of the extent of it. Like there wasn't a large like um, pulse on the community and how they're feeling about a lot of stuff. I mean, especially like in, in something that's highly competitive, it is interesting to, to listen to, I guess like the mass outcry. And I mean, I, I like I understand it just like a, a top tier player and all that, but like um, the design philosophies used to be, oh, let's just see what's happening at the very top level with, you know, looking at basically tournaments and seeing what's going on in tournaments and adjust from there. Um, but like you guys were saying, like they definitely have a pulse on the community and they're making changes directly what's happening in community, like on the stream level. So I, I don't know, I think it's a really interesting design uh, philosophy. I don't think it's inherently wrong, but I definitely think it's different from what we see in in most games. Yeah, that might be why I don't like it so much is that it's just so it's so foreign in comparison to the other ones. Right. Like it's just it's not you have a huge, usually a huge pro scene to kind of adjust on. And a lot of teams do really adjust to competitive vice casual. Right. But it's it's kind of flipped on its head for uh, for for Fortnite. And the other thing it is too that I kind of wanted to address is that Ninja is also refusing to smurf. That's the other thing. That's why he's he's also boycotting the game. He's, for quick queue times, he's refusing to make another account, so he plays against lower tier players. So I don't know how I feel about that because pro players smurf or like like pro caliber players smurfing and like for for viewership and stuff like that is like how some guys bake their brand so it's 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 kind of a weird route for me to kind of see ninja taking i kind of respect it but at the same time i don't know uh, like i mean that's how we got here you know what i mean that's how we're getting to the guy boycotting a team uh boycotting a whole game yeah but i mean i, I guess that goes into the question of is smurfing a good thing or not because i mean like i mean, if you really think about it i mean you know you know, a lot of top tier players smurf, but like if you think about it, it's, you know, you're a high caliber player playing against against uh, lower tier players that you're not, you know, equally matched up against to just demolish them, right? So what is the what what you know, what does that say about the game? And I, I think it's actually kind of good that Ninja's not doing it. It sets a good precedent. Um and I mean I that's his whole thing, right? Is that he's supposed to be like the streamer that you look up to or whatever. Like, you know, you know, regarding everything in his past, like pushing that aside, but like at least right now, just like yeah, he's supposed to be like the good guy, right? Keeps it super clean, you know, doesn't um, do anything like smurfing or anything like that. So I, I don't know. I think it's a good idea. I think it's a good thing that he's doing that. Yeah, it's like on the surface, it's a good thing, but I mean, this is also the guy who's like manipulating an entire develop an entire game to really you know suit his needs. You know what I mean? Like because he has that influence. But is it me, his like, fault? I don't. Is it his I mean, fault? Because, I mean, it's not him saying, like, 
listen, I'm going to hold your game hostage, anything like that. It's more of, he's just like, I'm a player. I don't like this thing. Sure, he happens to have millions of, of, of uh, followers on, on, on Twitch or Twitter and, you know, tons of subs and viewers. But I mean, at, at, at the end of the day, he is a player and he's upset with it. Should he just play and not say anything? Yeah, I mean, every player is upset with it, too. Not just him, right? So it's not just him. So, I mean, he really speaks for the community itself. Since he just has the largest platform, doesn't mean that he's necessarily the one that, you know, deserves the flack for it. I mean, if they do make changes, it, it has to be come from, you know, it has to come from not just him, like Myth, all those other guys, uh, base guys, the Liquid Boys, like, it has to come from all of them. And if they're all saying the same thing, then obviously something's wrong. True, yeah. I just I just feel with a larger influence, it, you need to be a bit more, I don't know, a bit more touchy with how you word stuff you know what i mean and i think in, in ninja's not a dumb dude he know he knows what his word kind of like merits and i do appreciate him because he did start out trying to kind of justify epic's changes and truly trying to be like well okay this is why they did x this is why they did y and then he just kind of like snapped so i don't know i like i'm i'm, I'm really i'm really torn on this like i like because i like the dude he's he's done some sketchy stuff but i mean like it, it like it, like in comparison to what we've seen come out of Twitter and pro players and stuff like that, like I mean, he's pretty low on the chain um, for somebody with such a huge influence. So I'm hoping, I'm hoping we see the proper route taken from Epic rather than just uh, like I mean, like and like I mean, you like you said, like TSM, Liquid, they're all they're all kind of saying the same stuff. So we're probably going to see a change in the near future. It's just it's it's going to be interesting to see if this if this sort of behavior um, continues with just with only him. Yeah, so I think this is kind of a good thing, I guess, that we're talking about, that him saying that he doesn't like the game is, like, the biggest controversy going on right now with him. Um, compared to, like, other huge streamers, you know, like, starting, like, weird, like, cryptocurrency mining things and backgrounds of the website <laughs> and starting literal cults. Shout out to my boy, Fiend. Oh, um, throwback. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, at the end of the day, I mean, it's good that we're, we're talking about this for him um, and not anything substantially worse um yeah. but i yeah i think that's a good point to move on um so let's yeah. go and start talking about project overwatch the your favorite podcast within a podcast where we just talk about overwatch as we do um so the first thing i wanted to talk about was my my i think he's now my favorite um personality on uh during the overwatch league and that's danny he is um you know he does a lot of interviews and also translations too like he's he's like the perfect personality because it just like flows super well. He talks like he's he's funny. He talks to all the players um, very well, and he's like like it, him just like speaking and then translating and flipping back and forth is it's like perfectly seamless. It's it's so awesome to watch. Um, but he actually had like a slight like a uh, mistake. Um, I can't even call it that. I can't yeah, it, like that. I think he got baited, kind. Of. Yeah, he did. He for he sure got, got baited. Um, yeah, Jonah, do you want to fill everyone in on what happened? Yeah, so I mean, I'm 37, uh, had his first interview after his first match in OWL, and when Danny went to go talk to him, he asked him the question in English, and then in Korean, and then when he gave it the, you know, he put the mic over to I'm 37, I'm took the mic and proceeded to answer in English, with perfect English, and it just, it just looked really, really funny, because, you know, he just spent, he just spent like, you know, a good 10 seconds translating what he just said into Korean, it was just like, <sighs> That was pointless. And it, it's so funny. I mean, like, 
And Danny was a good sport about it too. He's like, dude, you you, you could have told me, right? Like you could have let me know before I said it, right? And I mean, like Danny, it, he really is like, as far as like competitive scene, he really stands out as one of the like one of the like the top tier translators because he does both the interview and the translation by himself. I haven't seen that in any other scene. He's he's I, he kind of stands alone in that regard. Um, uh, Jonah, do you, do you know anybody else in any other scene that does that? Uh, Susie Kim did that for League of Legends LCK. Oh my god, she did. Yeah, the, the current yeah. the current uh youth development at C9 slash London Fire. Yeah, she she did that for uh LCK back in uh, 2013. Yeah, yeah, going back a bit, yeah. And then also back. in StarCraft, Smix used to do that as well, I believe. Yeah. She was very, very good at that as well. Um yeah, but, is still yeah. yeah, but very few, very few personalities out there yeah, who actually like, I mean, fill this role. Yeah. That's three out of like with the what, the last ten years? It's pretty. It's a pretty small sample considering how many leagues, how many games, how many like you know how many countries we've seen. Like it's 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 it's, it's remarkable. It's great to see. And Jonas, so you actually had experience with I'm 37, right, in the open division. Yeah, we picked him up off of Wave Check. Shout out to Wave Check. Um, we picked him up off, uh, you know, just the ladder. Um, immediately when I decided that I wanted to coach open this season. Um, we were looking for players to join the roster. And when I was scouting around, I noticed there was one player that I played in comp queue against a lot, Z9 Hong. And I found out his, he was I'm 37. He played um, in scrims from March 7th to March 20th. So a good two weeks. And it turns out that, you know, right afterwards, he was having talks with Second Wind. Um, you know, they were asking about him. I told their coach that, you know, this is a great player. Like, he's a great guy. He learns really fast. He's always receptive to information. He has great sense for the game, human empathy, and he has a solid communication. And not to mention, you know, the insane mechanics that he also possesses, too. So it's just, like, added on layer of layer. And and really, you know, kind of just went from open, scrimming with us at Wavecheck, Cracklack and Matman, um, Jade, Juby, and, and Panic, to just playing with Toronto Defiant in the span of less than a month. That's a huge jump for him. Like, that, like... Like, as, as a player, that must be insane. To jump from, you know, basically sitting on the ladder to, you know, playing in the Overwatch League. That's that's huge. I I can't imagine the kind of ramping up that would take on a player. I mean, I, I'm i sure it must be pretty hard for, for him to be able to, you know, start on the ladder. And obviously, he's a really skilled player. But go from that to immediately going to like LA, staying in the team house, practicing with the team, and then on the stage in less than a month. Less than <laughs> yeah, in under thirty days, you could write a book on that. I'd read, I'd read that. That like it's incredible. And the nice part was too in his interview, he was like super chill too, man. Like I mean, the guy has no nerves. Like he's not, he has, he's not, you know, shied away. Like we do see with a lot of like, especially with the Overwatch League, where a lot of guys aren't used to like media coverage and stuff like that. I'm thirty seven, just like kind of waltzed right in became like a huge sensation his his debut you know what i mean so yeah it, like i mean it really speaks to the guy's character yeah he has a great personality i mean the the only player other than him that i've worked with is moth and i think that him and moth share the same trait that they both have incredible amounts of human empathy it, it's just that amount of care for another person makes it so that in game you're kind of more the one helping everybody else out you possess enough mechanical skill and enough knowledge of the game that you yourself, you know, are helping out the other five heroes, the other five players too. 
And then also after the game, you know, you're always the one that's listening to others. You're the one that one that goes, yes, that makes sense. You know that, you know, thank you for telling me that. And then you know, both of them are just very, very personal. And I think that 37 in Moth, they're going to be stars in the Overwatch League. And, you know, it's just a, you know, a blessing for me to have worked with them. You know, I think that for my part, I can kind of tell then if like, you know, a player has that extra kutzpa that puts them over the top being like a really solid player or just, you know, another player. So basically what you're saying that is if a player wants to go into the Overwatch League, they just need to go into one of your teams then, right? Is that what, is that you, what you're you have the golden Basi- touch? Basically, you, you just... You just have to work with me long enough for me to find you an avenue to get to Overwatch League, whether that be through energy or, or second. <laughs> Basically. <laughs> Basically. Yeah. Think, yeah, not in so many words, but that's pretty much it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, if you're able to take in everything that I say, because I'm, I'm a guy who, like, talks and thinks a lot, if you're able to take in all the information I say and just use it almost instantly because you yourself are just incredibly talented as a player and you're receptive and nice to your teammates and nice to everybody else, there's no reason why you can't make Overwatch League. I mean, everybody knows that everyone in the game at the top tier level is already insane mechanically, right? You have ladder players like uh, that are just incredibly talented, right? That could out-aim Overwatch League talent players. But what makes the difference between an Overwatch League player, a contender's an open player, isn't the age restriction, isn't like if you're good enough at clicking heads or not. It's actually just how good you are at working with your teammates, your coaches, and other people in general, how much empathy you have for them, and how much you want it too. Yeah, I think that's a good transition from like a meme statement to like actually something kind of profound um, that like there are so many good players out there. And I mean, we've seen people go like, like, you know, this is a perfect example of someone going from the ladder to open to like right into the Overwatch League and there's still a ton of, you know, players and teams and contenders. I mean, we saw runaways go from contenders into Overwatch League, and they're killing it now. So, I mean, yeah, I do you think that everyone's skill in all these different divisions are really close, and the things that really push them even further to be top-tier teams is just how well that they gel together as teams, the coaching staff, and just um, that extra bit of empathy? Yeah, it's definitely a really solid team environment really good teamwork and execution by the players, trust in the coaching staff. It's all those like very buzzwords that you hear in your self-help books, but just actually done. And that's that's the difficult part, it's just actually doing it. Because like anytime you have a conversation with someone, you could very easily just, you know, out-ego them with, oh yeah, but I'm like top rank one on ladder. Or like, oh yeah, I hit like top 500 every season. So it's like, I'm just better. But you, you can't have that attitude, that mentality, that mindset, go into you know a team environment because you're just not going to be able to work with these guys. And that's what really sets these players apart. I mean, when it comes down to it, you know, why would why would a general manager who's like 30 to 40 years old, right, want to work with a kid that just doesn't isn't nice at all to anybody else, isn't nice to them, isn't nice to anybody? You, they want to work with a guy that's professional, that, that's nice to people, that acts, you know, very clean, that has this very good persona about him, not a bad reputation, not a good reputation exactly, just, just enough that, you know, puts them you know into the hardworking category that's it's a good example for us that they think is marketable and, just, and, i want to add that that's also marketable right like exactly that's, that's such a huge thing too right yeah you really want to you know when we talked about the fgc the, that whole etiquette thing you know you want to be like that social person that's that's able to get along with people 
it's exactly that skill set that you need to bring into Overwatch 2. Because, you know, you're playing next to the person, you obviously have, you know, a much better feel for them, right? But when you're playing at home with other five players all online versus another six players all online, you don't have that same empathy anymore. It's pretty much just you versus the world in your head. But when you think about it on stage, it's really that empathy that matters, right? You look over to your teammate, they're just having a downtime, they just missed like three shots, they they choked, they whiffed, they did whatever. And just your ability to look over and cheer them up or, or you know, just give off an air of confidence and that air of sustainability and that air of stability, you know, that 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 really, really kind of just uh that extra aura that you bring to the team, you know, whether that be through verbal, nonverbal, whatever, body language. You know, that, that, that makes you a better player. That just makes you a better teammate, and that makes you a better person, too, which is what the Overwatch League wants. Good people that are good professionals, too. So how how would that translate to someone who might be a top ladder player who, you know, they have really good mechanical skills, but they really want to take it to that next level, play super well on teams, you know, kind of take it to that next step to really, you know, maybe go into open, contenders, and eventually Overwatch League. What kind of skills can they pick up by themselves? I mean, it's not only a question for you, but a question for James, because James, I know you worked with a lot of players and, you know, I'm sure you have identified some of these things that just as people, what makes them work well on teams. It's man, it, honestly, it, like, I, I hate to say Joe to kind of hit everything, but he really did. Like, I mean, you need somebody who knows how to work in a team environment, who recognizes how a player, like how another person is reacting and really how, uh, knows how to read, like, I, I, I'm not saying you have to be a master at reading people, but you need to understand, okay, th- you know, this performance is affecting X player. I can't be my usual overbearing self. I need to show that empathy that like, you know, that is required because if, if I keep perpetuating this and this guy can continues to keep having a horrible time, we're not going to get better. We're only going to get worse and we're going to com- like perform worse overall. Right. And that's the hardest thing to find for a lot of these guys is, um, guys who are very much in that mindset of me versus the world, right? Because they're a solo queue player, they're a ladder player or whatever, right? And that's where that's where their heads at the entire time is like, I need to carry this game. I need to be the best player. Well, you're on a team. You want, if you want to make, if you want to get to the pro scene, you want to get to, you know, get to open, get to contenders, all that stuff. Um, you need to recognize that it's not you against the world anymore. And you need to recognize that you're playing with five human beings who are, you know, who are your teammates. And that, that really, a teammate, in like a competitive sense in a teammate in a solo queue sense are two very like the same word, very different meanings. You know what I mean? And you really need to recognize how to really end it. Like all those things that we talked about, the FGC really enables um, you really need to, you really need to get those skills and put them to work, which is weird because the FGC where they're so huge on it, the top player doesn't usually exclude all those top qualities. I have a bit of a bone to pick with Sonic Fox, but I mean like, cause the guy is, he's brash, he's overbearing, he's all that stuff. But I, I, I've seen him like interact with people. And he's so good, but it's just it's it's like I don't know. I guess I'm like, having this epiphany while I'm talking is that the top player in a game that promotes such good social skills really isn't some of that those qualities at all. So, um, but yeah, no, that's that's as far as like core qualities that makes a good teammate. Those are, like I mean, I I hate to say Jonah took like pretty much everything, but he kind of did. You know what I mean? Which shows it shows why Rutgers does so well. You know what I mean? Like. Even when I was managing, like I see, I'd watch Rutgers play. It was like, okay, these guys are doing a lot of stuff right. This is <laughs> this is this is good. <laughs> yeah, I mean, what it really comes down to is, uh, I think you need great people to work with. Like they all need to be on the same page, hardworking. And for you as a ladder player, if you want to break into the pro scene, 
you really need to understand the game at a, a really hypothetical level, uh, really theory-wise. You need to understand, like, if this happens, what do you do? You also understand ultimate state economy, like the, the ultimate economy and the state of it. So if you are looking into getting into pro at a game, one thing that I highly recommend is watching the pro game and then pausing it. And when you pause it, you just think about, from your perspective role, from both sides, what is the best course of action you can take? Why? And then you would play the video, and then you'd watch it actually play out, see what everyone does, and then you'd learn, okay, did this player make the correct decision? Did this player make the correct decision? Would I do this in my case too? Why did they do that? And then obviously, you take that, you remember it, you apply it into your memory as an experience, and you go out and do that. Then when you go out and do that, you show that you're capable of doing it, coaches like you, teammates like you, Overwatch League. Nice. I think that was all really good stuff. Um, you know, we should at, at some point do like a, a longer sit down and, you know, hear, hear more wisdom from, from Jonah because that was really good stuff. And James, obviously, um, with that insight as well, very good stuff, guys. Um, so I actually just want to move on now to a few things a little bit quickly because we do have a, actually a viewer question to go into. So we'll go through these next two stories a little bit uh, more quickly to wrap up the Overwatch news. Um, but there was a, a post by Effect um, this past week just saying that he was retiring from the, from the game and definitely a very emotional post. Um, and there was someone that came out and translated as well to, from Korean to English, but uh, definitely a lot of emotional stuff in, in, in that tweet. I, you know, definitely go check it out if, if, if you're a fan of Effect just to you know, see what he was going through. He was going through a lot and you know, I hope this is definitely the, the right move from, for him. Um, seemed like he was under a lot of stress, so hopefully this puts him to a place where he's not as stressed. I know he has a lot of uh, fans out there too, so he said he's going to still be making content on Overwatch to sustain himself. So hopefully this is something that you know um, it's a good move for him, and you know he's kind of getting the help that he needs and support structure that he needs. Yeah, the uh, we'll have the post linked to the uh, to the episode when it goes up uh, tomorrow, guys. But yeah, no, read through it because it really it really shows, unfortunately, what the like what, you know, um, what can happen when you you kind of don't let you kind of let something fester a little bit. And I like I don't I don't put any blame and effect for like kind of putting off what he's been doing for so long because he's found avenues that he really feels better about doing stuff. And he's been like, you know, it's it's stuff that had made him feel better. But it's, it's it's also great to see that he acknowledges he needs to do something about it, and he's seeking seeking medical attention, seeking like all the from what I read the proper avenues to really address something like this, and that's that's really good to see, especially from a self realization, not somebody telling him to do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, effect effect one of those guys that uh, season one he wants to be the best player, season two he wants to be the best team player. You saw a lot of evolution from him from a mentality standpoint, but. Really, when you have things that fester and you don't take care of them, it just deteriorates your mental state to the point where you just want to give up, you know? And when you want to give up, you, you can't compete anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so definitely, um, you know, a re- really sad news, but um, definitely a lot of love and uh, the love from the fans has been really nice. And I, I Hopefully, he, he's definitely seeing a lot of that. And uh, I, I know he, you know, knows that the fans are out there because he said he's going to keep making content for them. And like I said, hopefully this is a really good move for him and he gets the kind of uh, support network that he needs. Uh, so moving on to the last thing that we had for Overwatch. I'm going to keep this one short because don't want the gamers to, to really get on us about this. But uh, Blizzard oh. 
as a long story short, um, someone threw up the OK sign um, during one of the live streams. Uh, Blizzard approached the fan and said, hey, can you not do that? It's kind of a not-so-great connotation nowadays. Um, and then Slasher, I guess, picked up on the news, and he tweeted out and became a very big story. Any any uh, short reactions that you, you guys have about this situation? Oh, no! <laughs> uh, uh, so... I know, I know how Dylan feels about this, so I'm not saying Jack. Um, but if you want to know how Dylan feels about this, Dylan, what can... If you want to know my full opinion on this, you can go to poppedoff.com where I wrote an article about it and why it's a, why it's a good thing. Um, definitely fought a lot of people on Reddit yesterday. Uh, so please, don't make me die in vain over this one. Um, <laughs> You're going to die on that hill, buddy. Yeah. But anyways, uh, that was Project Overwatch, a podcast within a podcast where we just talked about Overwatch. Um, going to go to a, I guess, kind of a related note onto a viewer question. And it comes from longtime friend of the pod, Robert, who asked, um, what are the true prerequisites for entry into the block TM? Boomers, gamers, it's a pretty diverse group. Who gets put into the block? So I guess uh, as a person who decides who, who gets the block, um, definitely boomers and gamers now, uh, for, for sure now gamers get the block after, after this past week of me just speaking with them. But I think the true prerequisite is just uh, people who just, uh, who just who just deserve it, I guess. You know, boomers deserve it because they're, wow. they're, they're trying to take down esports. Gamers are taking down esports, weirdly enough, um, self-sabotaging. I, I guess if uh, if someone's against the uh, the overall dream to have uh, our gamer utopia, I guess they get the block. But so that was <laughs> so that's my prerequisite at least. Um, if you want to ask a question, um, have your question feature on the show, um, send us an email over at contact at poppedoff.com, or you can just tweet at us. We'll answer your question on the show. Um, no more no more questions about the block because. Uh, I think we hit that. We hit that. We had that quite a bit. So we'll, we'll cool yeah. the block off a little we've, bit. We've had we've had the block to the point where it's been trademarked. So I mean, yeah, there's a TM there. There's a TM there. Yeah, exactly. Right. All right. So James, we're gonna we're gonna fire through these last couple questions real quick, or the last couple honorable mentions. So stories. I'll take the first one. You take the last two. Okay. We're gonna get through them quick. Gotcha. Though. All right. So Rapid first thing, fire, baby, let's do. Kibler doesn't know what eat means. Gonna leave it there. No more context. That's it. That's it. Uh, next one. Uh, we finally have the dream match of SKT versus Griffin over in the LCK. Everybody's excited. Everybody's stoked. This is the hero storyline versus the villain versus the new upstart and the longtime hero. It's going to be sick. Um, and the other one was, so you got to double check. Support T3 League of Legends. Support not just the Academy, but the guys below the Academy where Rutgers is. Where honor used to be, we're not. They're not there anymore. Um, but like right now, high has moved in to really support that with radiance. Um, Jonah, I don't know if you've seen any of, any of that movement with him basically starting up a amateur esports org. Yeah, radiance, the positivity. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. So that's become a new thing. It's super dope. Go check that out. Um, and yeah, support support the stuff that feeds into academy because they they desperately need it. Right? Yeah, they should support uh, Wave Check. Oh, should, yeah, yeah, that too. <laughs> plugs, plugs, plugs. They should support Tier 3 Overwatch. That would be very cool. Support Tier 3 Everly. 
support all the tiers. They all deserve. All right. So uh, thanks, thanks, James, for helping us get through those real quick, um, which leads us to the very end of the show. So thanks everyone for tuning in, um, whether you were watching or listening um, to Project Esports podcast. And thanks for Jonah for for stopping by and um, giving us really good insight um, into some sick coaching insight, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> mess up on those words, but yeah. So thanks, Jonah. Why don't you give everyone a nice nice plug? Tell us tell us all about what you do, where people can find you, products that you're working on, events that you're going to be at. Just give us it all. Um, so Jonah, uh, my name at Jonah reads on Twitter and Twitch. Uh, I stream not so regularly, but it's mostly, uh, coaching VOD reviews of people that submit them. Um, you can also find me on Instagram also at Jonah reads. And the main thing is that I will be at the NYXL mixer this Thursday in Hoboken, New Jersey. Also the Scott classic slash the spring rally. Of course that will be April uh, 14th and also the collegiate esports. um, ESPN show uh, on May 8th, I believe. I'll also be in Houston for that. And of course, shout out to Wavecheck, OW, boys, the lads, the team. Um, we're going to do well this you know, OD season. We're already 6-0. We're pretty much projected to be in contenders by next season. And I hope to live up to those expectations. And we will see you guys when I am in Academy or something. Or maybe Overwatch League. We'll never know, but that's about it. Nice. James, thank the people, please. I do want to thank the people. I want to thank all the people who stopped by in chat. We had a very we had a pretty good chat group tonight. It was great. And any of our listeners who are gonna tune in once it goes up. I also want to give a special shout out to both my mom and my dad, because they both took the effort. My mom had work off tonight, so they both listened, they both watched tonight, and it was great. My, I've been trying to answer my father with questions as the as the show's gone on. So gotta gotta gotta, gotta give the shout out to him. So thank you so much, guys. And you can find us here at twitch.tv slash popped underscore off every single Monday, 6.30 Eastern Standard Time for the live show. And then you can find us the following day, every single Tuesday morning on all podcast platforms. I'm talking every single one, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Pod, Podbean. There's a ton of them out there. Just search, just wherever you get your podcasts, you can find them. Um, and you can also find the, the live video on YouTube at Popped Off. So yeah, thanks everyone for listening. Um, we'll do this impromptu. I'm Dylan. I'm James. I'm Jonah. Hey. Thanks, everyone.